alive and well and live on the what do you call it the interweb yeah the interwebs and the lady said recording in progress or something like that didn't she yeah there she was so we got no other than our uh great long time friend mr don reeves now retired from the national cowboy museum and you were there for what 65 years or something like that <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> good morning gary i love you too <laughs> or willie is you're affectionately known to most of us yeah yeah, yeah. um good good to hear your faces i guess <laughs> so are you gonna are you gonna rebuttal the 65 years or are we just gonna document that in history on the interweb now that you were there? It feels not like no more than 60. <laughs> <laughs> you were the McCaslin chair of of what? Cowboy collections. Cowboy culture. Cowboy culture, okay. And curator of collections. Yeah. The, museum the vaunted museum it was a wonderful spot I, I loved i loved all those years some of them were quite trying uh you guys remember a, a night back in 99 when on top of me trying to open up a brand new huge wing you, you all decided to have your first show and so uh it happened but and you all were there and carrie was resplendent in his tuxedo and and my sphincter was quite shut. I'll tell you what, I was <laughs> I was one uh, tense uh, fella uh, wondering if this is all going to come off. Well, I had a lot of writing on it. I was going to say it was pretty smooth until 25 years ago, 26 years ago. <laughs> we had that first show with the TCA. It got real complicated, your life, didn't it? Yeah, it, 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 it wonderful. It's like having a lot, bunch of new in-laws. <laughs> <laughs> in-laws that became family and got closer and closer and now and then yeah. then you tried to quit you tried to go away and oh no <laughs> no we wouldn't let that happen so we made you our first honorary member within the group so you're you're just stuck being a part of us uh you you, you gotta you gotta know that that uh that night that you all did that as a huge surprise to me and everybody else at, at, at the, the meeting said like you, you made him an honorary member um, <laughs> uh, the, the only uh, one we have too yeah yeah well i i can't hardly talk about it with a dry eye i tell you what means well, a great deal that's that's well, special. i'll never forget that <laughs> leading up to our very first show so it would have been september our first show is September of 1999 uh -huh. and uh, seems like forever ago in some ways, but, uh, and, uh, as I think you alluded to a minute ago about, uh, kind of launching off into some deep water and stuff. And of course that was really deep water for us because none of us had really been a part of something like that before. And it was all, going to be connected with the the gala event that there was a grand opening and celebration of the new what 120 million dollar wing or 20 million dollars people there that night you know oh man it was it was electric and and uh you and i were talking on the phone some weeks before the show opening and uh so of course i'm 
pretty nervous about all this stuff that's going to be all of our butts kind of hanging out there in the wind and we didn't know if we were going to get we were going to get spanked or what and and uh i asked you i said so what do you think don do you think this is going to be a good show and sale and as you know well, between your collectors and our collectors i think we'll have a pretty good show and i didn't say anything but uh <laughs> the reality is mr reeves we don't have any collectors. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I sure hope that you can bring some to the table because we don't have any. <laughs> well, or at least what? I didn't. And 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 now, Carrie, we we have a, a, a pretty good sized Rolodex of acquaintances, relationships, and yeah. people over the years, but I still feel like that. They said, Well, send us all your collectors. I'm like, oh. No, who's that, right? But that's not totally the truth. I, I have my fan base, but you still, that's still a big deal. Still a big deal. Well, so. That was a big part of the equation. I mean, you all had the opportunities here and there to make something astounding um, on your own at your own bench. Uh, but, uh, you know, there was that time earlier on, if, it's just like the, the saddle makers in particular I knew more about. Uh, you you could make uh, spend, you know, two months on a saddle, you know, and set it in the front of your shop and astound people, you know, as they walk by or take it to the, I remember when Garcia did that, you know, and took it to the St. Louis uh, World's Fair and, and all that. But yet nobody stepped up that day at that fair and said, okay, I'll give you, you mm. know, four times what you've ever had for a saddle uh, because that's how much you've got in it. Uh, that is quite a gulf between what you're a, a, a person's a craftsman and artist's normal um, production and and what you're capable of producing. Well, a similar thing has come to mind. A similar thing happens within a sculptor's studio, which you know that person works and works and works and creates things. A lot of times, a, a, a good sized piece is maybe a, a casting that's thirty six inches high. All of a sudden, he's got the opportunity to create something that's 12 feet, 15 feet. Uh, the end of the trail is 18 feet high. That's a once-in-a-lifetime situation for almost all of those people, all of those artists. And who is there to be that can pick up that uh, cost plus what, it, what it's really worth? And it's almost always needed to be an institution that had a pocket, pockets deep enough to do that. So that was an incredible gulf between what the normal, uh, you know, production and then and the normal uh, business that you all had uh, uh, in your fields to that level of uh, people buying one of uh, uh, pieces that are essentially one of a kind, but also uh, things that would only come out of an artist's studio once in their lifetime. Well, and without the potential of of the sale of that, it. It doesn't happen, but once, right? I mean, you spend it, it, that. What I'm trying to say is, with what the museum provided for the for the group as, as an opportunity to display this in a prestigious manner in front of a crowd that was capable and willing to support those efforts, that's the only way we sustain livelihood, the group and the individual, right? I mean, it could have been a great first timer, but had nothing sold, Schwartzy would have gone home and gone back to doing what he was doing right but it they, they luckily gone to 
becoming a p- podcaster or something. Yeah. It, this pays about like the craftsman deal, doesn't it? We'd have to make <laughs> something else. Yeah, y'all are making as much as I make now. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's the chemistry of this that I, I still think a lot of people that come to the show even uh, and and walk through the gallery there at the museum don't realize the chemistry of the the museum. Then you guys have an opportunity to create something that you normally would not be able to create at a level that you would like to create. And the museum then brings people, brings partisans, brings patrons, brings people who have the means to support that kind of artistic activity for uh, uh, a couple months or whatever, uh, that otherwise the two of you would never meet. And, 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 you know, otherwise that would, you know, how many of those people are you going to find in Salmon, you know? Mr. Bellamy, mm-hmm. you know, with deep pockets, you know, or, or, you know, there, you know, where you are, Wilson, uh, uh, out there with the cactus, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. it, but you bring it from all over the, the uh, yeah. uh, United States uh, and Canada. Um, then, then the, the pool of people who are, are interested and available to spend those kind of dollars uh, expands greatly. And that's what the museum can do. Uh, put, put the work on a pedestal and, and tell everybody, come here, look at this you know, and really let people realize uh, what what is involved in and what, what has been created. Uh, and that was the exciting part for me is to be able to, that was that was position you put me in, uh, not asked me to do, but said, okay, now you, <laughs> you've got to make this, <laughs> this uh, a jewel box presentation and it damn well better be good, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we all want our stuff, well, the gravy and all has to look great, you know, and which is, uh, it, it's it's neat, it should be, and it's hard to do. Um, and the saddles need to look as good as possible, but but you can't let people get too close, but you can't get them let too, get them be, have them be too far away. Uh, <laughs> it, it's all it's all like a symphony of stuff that, you know, I'll, I'll leave out the expletives, but crap, <laughs> it has to happen, you know, uh, for it all to work. And uh, that's both, vaunting but but that's that's the thrill of it that's the fun and that's when it all when it all comes together my gosh you know that's that's been wonderful well that relationship that you're describing what the museum has done um, for the group for the individuals um you know we we have a little why is the tca important why is it important to me well by what you just described there, Don, created the opportunity and obligation, but I, I mean obligation less than opportunity, um, to create the three best things I've ever made in my life each and every year. That <laughs> You say that fast and it sounds simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you notice I'm stuttering now, right? <laughs> You're trying to recover from that statement when you make it. <laughs> That's very, very hard for people to understand the importance. And the I always thought it was damn near impossible. Well, it it is, and and I have close friends who say, "Oh, uh, you don't need that." No, I do need that. I have to have that, and it's created the maker I am today. Which, um, as an individual, that's very selfish, and I'm very very happy to have that but then if you look at it if i look at it from a group standpoint what it's done for the industry um uh, 
from simple exposure, if nothing else, people get exposed to that quality of work. And, and then they have a choice to either participate or not, whether you're a maker, whether you're a collector or, or whatever it is, just, just a, just a, a fan. Um, it does so much for our history and the way our industry has gone and, and uh, the museum, it's just incredible what it's done for us. And I, I didn't even know there was a museum. I just thought it was Don Reeves forever. You know, I mean, I was kind of young and you were the face, <laughs> you were the whole deal. And I, and I got to tell you, Don, I mean, I'm bragging on the museum, but it was you that was doing it. When I got in the group, I had no idea what the relationship was with the museum. And, and then to find out all what it did, I was just flabbergasted about the amount of work and effort and the, the production that it took for you all year long to make it happen and coming to our spring meetings and all that business. That was just, I was impressed now for sure. It was cool. Yeah, Don, definitely. He became one of us. Yeah. He was, he was at that first meeting at the, the famous Denny's restaurant in Oco, Nevada, when Ken Townsend came out. And uh, so I don't know that you, until you retired, I don't think you missed a meeting, spring meeting or otherwise. Uh, you sat in on almost every minute of every meeting. Yeah, I, I, I made a point that it was, it wasn't a goal, it was a responsibility. And, and, I, and I wouldn't want to have missed a spring meeting. I remember mouthing back to Bellamy said, well, what we're going to do is we're going to have this, we're going to have this group and, and they're going to have the four disciplines uh, uh, represented and, and they're going to also get together every spring and have more or less a business meeting and, and create the, the, the uh, program for the, the following year and, and this and that and, and, and bond together. And, and I said, you're going to get all the, you're going to get saddle makers and spur makers to sit around and <laughs> sing who I had a table, you know, once a year, you know? And, and I said, well, leaving it out the expletives, I said, I, I, I just, I, I, that is beyond my understanding. I can't imagine uh, being able to get saddle makers to come to town, you know, uh, a couple of times, you know, just, just to meet with other people, let alone, you know, every spring and, uh, I had to eat crow at it uh, every year, and, and it, it was been one of the most marvelous things for me to see uh, the Goots group get together and bring their families together. And I remember some of those first, I think it was the 2005 meeting at the Wagon Hound, which I, it holds a big spot for me. I hope it does for you guys, too, where you brought oh, your families. And my mm -hmm. gosh, was that, a, was that a time, huh? That was my oh, wow. first meeting, first spring meeting. Was it really? Uh-huh, yeah. 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 And and the bond it was uh, it was it was everything from a, a gathering of craftsmen to a church social to you know to to a family reunion yeah. and, and with the patriarch of uh, Art Art Nicholas you know hosting everybody and and just uh, bursting with pride that he was able to do that it was it was it was magical. Well, you got to witness You're a pretty few a few boxing matches and some family feuds too, but we all, what was, what is, what is special about the group is we can absolutely have 12 different opinions or however many, there was up to what, 23 members at one time. You can definitely have some difference of opinions of how this could move forward, but always at the end of a meeting, it was, well, that's what we're doing. And here we go. And we all win as yeah. a unit. And it's yeah, kind of special. absolutely. Very proud of, proud of y'all for that. Yeah. So you you had a connection with Chuck Storms, correct? Early on, is that that was the connection that that we had with you? 
It was either you or Mike Beaver or both both of them that well, had a connection. Well, Chuck, it was me. Yeah. Uh, Chuck Schroeder, I'm not Chuck Schroeder. Uh, Chuck Storms knew Mike Beaver, obviously. And uh, but uh, Chuck and I had been in a dialogue on, on doing some things uh, to recognize uh, Luis Ortega, and Chuck was working on a, uh, a presentation of his work, a visual presentation. Uh, he couldn't get uh, assemble a, a very much of his work up there in, in Canada uh, for that, so I was helping with the images, and we talked about the need for a future publication, uh, which came to pass. And uh, but I remember distinctly that that uh, that uh, phone call just before he got in the car with uh, a long ride with Scott Hardy, uh, and and saying, "Well, we're 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 headed off to this meeting, uh, Scott and I, and we're going to, to Idaho. Uh, it's going to be a long ride, but I, I hope it's worth the the trip. And you know, things like this have been tried before. I don't know whether this anything is going to come out of this, but." But uh, I, I sure hope it does, and, and we both want to uh, attend. And, and Scott had, I think they'd both been to to uh, Flagstaff gatherings, haven't they, Travis, mm -hmm. down there yeah. at, at that point? So they saw the, the way to get people together, but that group never, down in Arizona, never did anything to try to, to bring it together in terms of the artisans and, and hold it together and, and stuff like that. But anyway, so check. I think Chuck was at, at like a, a maybe a, a 75, 25 or whatever opinion that it, this is well-meaning, but he didn't, didn't know whether it was going to have the glue to hold it together, you know, at that point. And so it was kind of neat when he headed off and then, then got a phone call, came back and says, damn, I think it's going to work. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, uh, that, that was really neat to, to have that dialogue with him at that point. Well, I, you, the glue keeps coming up and, and uh, making it work. And, and, and this is, like you said, Don has happened in several different sides of the street. Some like Flagstaff, um, the show has put the artists together. There's been some places that the artists got together, but they didn't have the show and, and didn't have the partner to create the show. Um, the museum couldn't have done it without us and we couldn't have done it without the museum. And, and that, that's the relationship there that absolutely made it work and still makes it work. Right. I mean, that's, that's still what keeps us together. Well, another good uh, model for that was the Alpine show, sure. you know, y'all had down there, you know, mm -hmm. great show, you know, uh, and, but it was uh, hosted by uh, an academic institution. Um, and so there's only so much an academic institution is going to put on the line. Um, yeah. if, if I can put it that way. Uh, and, uh, uh, so, but, uh, I always enjoyed when I was able to go to that and, and I know they encouraged you all, uh, Leland and others, you know, and so, uh, that was, that was good to see as well. So, but, but you guys took it and really ran with it, you know, at, you know, and, and instead of just having all, let's have an occasional gathering, you know, well, it was much better. Two, two professionals, the TCA and the museum, got together to perform their own jobs but didn't get in other people's business, right? Which <laughs> you might have said the TCA got in your business as we said the lights were wrong and they're too low and they're too far from the saddle and not close enough and too close. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You, you talk about, give me a number, you know, 15, 20 uh, members of TCA. <laughs> Try doing doing the same thing with 100 different artists oh, who, who never who, who 
they're only allegiant to the to the 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 uh, uh, exhibition they're showing up to is the fact that they they come to it once a year. There's no you know yeah. there's no real membership or anything. And then the only the only thing in the world that matters is their opinion about how <laughs> their work is presented to the public. Oh my yeah. God, you know, you talk yeah. about prima donnas. You had not seen prima donnas. You've seen some of these artists. It's, <laughs> oh my. Uh, that's of course I'm alluding to the Frida West, which I, I love the artists that, that have uh, stayed with it and 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 shown with the uh, Frida West show at the National Cowboy West Heritage Museum. Uh, amazing. It's amazing just to be able to get a get hundred artists together and come to that. Uh, in one spot, and they put together an exhibition upwards of three hundred works of art. Yeah. Uh, that that is uh, it's hard, and it's hard for them. Just like as you all know, uh, they have to put their best foot forward, and it's 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 hard for the institution to to figure out how to uh, appropriately and 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 effectively present that material to, to the public. It's it's uh, but it's it's damned exciting once it's showtime. Yeah. Uh, well, so. In a lot of ways, the TCA made your job a little easier because if there was a problem child within the room, you could you could ask the TCA to police their problem themselves, right? Because you had one entity to deal with instead of <laughs> instead of a. Damn, I loved that. I tell you what, it was. <laughs> now again, I was quite proud of you all that uh, you took ownership of you know a, a collective understanding of of. Uh, uh, of things like that and of responsibilities it's like yeah. you know you, you need to get your work together so that that, that can be put in the exhibit it's, it's got to be a certain place there needs to be a time when it all needs to be there and uh and you all would close ranks you know you would uh, uh you would uh, work as one to to try to uh make sure that that happened to the best uh and uh, it, there are always there has always been, will always be hiccups. There will be circumstances. Mm. Health being one that raises its head all the time. Uh, economics is another. I remember, apologize to go off on a, on a tangent, but uh, I remember watching the, uh, in 2011, the, the tragedy in New York with mm. the planes going into the World Trade Center. Standing in the same gallery uh, where then the, exhibition was uh, a month later and in 2011 wondering whether after sep what the happenings of September whether there would be a TCA show that year mm. the hell are we all going to do um, what are you guys going to do who the hell is going to fly across the country so the next three days we sat there and looked around and you know in the in the <laughs> In the Great Plains, you could see contrails going across the, the sky. There were no contrails. There were no planes flying. Mm -hmm. How are we going to get people to, into town? That was that was quite a time. And all you could do was lift it up, you know, yeah. and say, you know, we're not in charge. Yeah. Uh, good will overcome evil. And we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah I'll, and I'll we never forget nice that. that. We were... And it was 2001, not 2011. But, I'm sorry, 2001. I, I but, uh, yeah, three, three weeks after 9-11 and traveling with Don Bellamy coming back there. And and uh, wow. So that was only a couple <laughs> of years into the show at 2001. I sure apologize for making that mistake. It was all wrapped up in the emotion of remembering <laughs> all that. But 
yeah the, the talk the, about anxiety it was probably an anxiety and an uncertainty that that rivaled the very first show because mm -hmm. because of all those dynamics national the national mood talk about taking a taking a punch in the face and and uh wow yeah that was that was quite a time 22 years ago 23 years ago that was <laughs> yikes you know the people that you all are relying on and you know and we need to rely on to make the show the chemistry of the show work uh the move was everybody best set on your pocketbooks lord knows what's going to happen mm -hmm. you know in the next year or so um but uh loyalty and uh of, of people and, and the friends that you all made um uh, you know carry the day you know it, it, you you mentioned you kind of alluded to some of the differences between the Craft cowboy craftsmen, as it were, our group and the people in it, compared to others, shall we say? We don't want to impugn anybody, but uh, you've noticed the difference. You kind of alluded to that. There's a difference between the cowboy craftsmen, as we know our group, and and others you've dealt with. Is it a different vibe? Is that a question? That is a question. Like somebody from it's the a press loaded question. I know it's a loaded question. <laughs> um, well, first of all, you all have a passion for each one of your uh, the functional functional uh, creations that you all made. You, you, not just a pair of spurs, not just a saddle, but it's functional work of art. Um, and you all take that part uh, the functionality very serious and, and it has to be, uh, expressed, I think, to the public. They don't realize that, that you don't just make something pretty and set it on a stand and call it a saddle, but it still has to fit, uh, uh, a, a horse and it has to fit the, the, the nether ends of a cowboy as well. Uh, and, and the, the tree has to be something that will fit on, on, you know, most horses that won't sow the, sow the horse. You can't start off with the wrong tree and just build something pretty and then put it in the TCA show. I know that will never happen. Uh, again, the, the, a lot of people don't realize that you can't just take a bunch of metal and, 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 and sculpt something that, is, that is, you know, you, your, your passion has made you create something that kind of looks like a bit, you know, and put it out there and make it real fancy on the outside. The, the damn thing has to work in the horse's mouth. And that is, you know, a lot of people can make, I'm sorry, I'm getting into your sandbox, Wilson, but right. I, I know that uh, a lot of people can whip whip up a, a pair of spurs. You, mm -hmm. you put a heel band on it and a shank, you know, and and sometimes not hardly even a row, but, you know, it, it doesn't take physics to, to much to create a pair of spurs. Not so with a bit. That's, oh, you know, horsemen know and recognize that. And and if and if that thing if if it doesn't have the balance if it doesn't have the the space in the mouth or whatever appropriately then it's going to soar their horse you're not going to sell two bits no it's it's I I'm gonna I'm gonna summarize spur making for you it has to fit a boot and you either want to kick them or you don't there's a lot of different ways you can do that but it's pretty simple right you're either long legged or short legged big growl little growl long shank short shank up shank down shank fit a boot that's it. I, mean, well, I was going to say, I don't mean to uh, yeah. bemean them, but it, uh -oh. compared to a, a functional bit. And we, and uh, as you sat through the mentor, Greg Darnell's lecture before, 
uh, yeah, we could go for years on minute changes. And then, and then you have the rider and the horse and what they're doing in the day and each day's different and everybody's got a different attitude and, Oh Lord, we can come up with a lot of combinations and experts, right? There can be an awful lot of experts <laughs> show up too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and a lot of a lot of a lot of folks and some of the ones in, in the Great Plains area, my part of Oklahoma and stuff. You, the going to uh, you know uh, tack tack room at, uh, at the El Tejon Ranch in California or whatever, mm -hmm. and the guy walking here in East school. Well, I like this brother. This bit I use on this horse, and this bit I use on this horse, and bit this bit I use on that horse. I mean, they these rangemen out there are are really. Uh, uh, I mean, they they are real real picky of, yeah. about the bit and that they use on a particular horse, not just a breed, but you know how that so, horse reacts to that bit. Yeah, sorry, Carrie. We'll let you talk in a minute. Okay. You can talk in a minute, but we, we let uh, me talk a little yeah. bit. Everybody wants to have a menu when we talk about bridle bits, and and, and that rangeman that walked in there that absolutely is a professional and knows exactly what he's doing has a very strong opinion and understands how to communicate with the horse in his own way. We have an equal craftsman, I mean, equal rangeman, equal artist with his with the communication with the horse. Walk in, they take the same horse, the same job in the same day, and they will use a total different rig. To communicate and execute the exact same task at the exact same manner a lot of times it's similar but because the horse is involved right he likes and doesn't like certain things and configurations of the mouth can can uh, uh determine certain things but ironic or not ironically invariably um the form of communication can change from one man to the next with the same horse oh, and the I same job it's just the dynamic that, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to watch. In in, it's a lot in the head, you know, which makes it fun. But to bring that back to our to our TCA and our mission and all that is is uh, yes, my business is absolutely formed around art. Carries is too. Uh, we're we're artists in our deal. Uh, we're not experimental makers. Nobody comes to us to to buy a twenty thousand dollar bit to see if it's going to work. But, but uh, in order to recreate that form of art, we absolutely have to know the fundamentals. We've just taken the fundamentals a long ways down the road. Yeah. But, but you have to yeah. know the function. And if you don't, and if you don't have function, right, Schwartzy, it's all over. Like, it, don't don't even go to the next stage of it. If it doesn't fit, well, it's done. Doesn't work. Yep. Well, this whole conversation, I think, is highlighting maybe in maybe in sort of an indirect way uh, what I was wondering about and this whole interplay, this tension, what I've described as tension between artists and craftsmen, function and art. And mm -hmm. so it, what you encounter, of course, in a pre to West show is is all visual art, representational art. And, and it's not, there's no, other than that, there's no functional aspect to the art. Well, ours, of course, is, is functional. We've been talking about function. It's got to function. It's got to do its job. And, but that takes a different mindset, right? Takes a completely different kind of approach to it. And that's, and I, it's fascinating to me. We had Chuck on here some time ago and and I think it was on that that visit that he admitted that he was not comfortable with the 
with the label artiste. He wasn't comfortable with that. And, and so when you talk about function, then we're talking about boots on the ground, real life, six inches of topsoil, animals, yeah. real, real stuff, tangible stuff, physical stuff. And I guess maybe that's the cultural divide between us and, and your normal visual artists is that we're, we're, we're a little bit more connected to the land in that sense. And maybe the artists would, some of those guys would argue with us. We'll have to have Tim Cox and we'll have to have a, <laughs> a debate with him on these matters because he's certainly a cowboy in, in every sense of the word. But at the same time, what he does is for something to look at. But also, he, I think Tim has, has done well uh, creating an audience that, that knows that Tim represents the soul of the people that are sitting mm -hmm. in that saddle, mm -hmm. the, the, the heart of them and the, and the reason why why they pursue the lifestyle they do. That he He's not one of those artists that just does uh, throws out there uh, a pretty sunset, you know, and something that kind of alludes to a horseman, mm -hmm. you know, in, in the in the near ground. You know, it. Uh, uh, so I, I, I think there's there's a responsibility among those people uh, uh, as, as well as uh, take Mel Lawson, who became a member of your group as mm -hmm. well. And, and his, uh, as a sculptor, his presentation of, of a, of a horse um, it, it's, it's, I mean, the horse is good. The horse is right. The horse is the, the, but he's got the horse presented in a, in a real Western or, or, or some might say a California a horseman a situation, but but it it's got an honesty to it in terms of reality and heritage. Uh, the equipment it, it represents the, the the heritage of the the California horseman, such, such like that. To where uh, if you just wanted to do something pretty that's going to sit on the mantle, you didn't have to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, representational art has always had a great story to tell and uh and my comments i don't want to take away anything from from what those guys the story they have to tell i guess what we're trying to do is we have a story to tell as well and uh it's not just representational art it is the thing the saddle is a tangible aspect in some sense i would call it a four-dimensional art got three dimensions then a fourth one is function yeah. and uh yep. so so <clears throat> why you know i that's where I, I my mission in life seems to be to try to dissolve and blur the distinctions between function and art let's blend the two let's make them work together well i, I, I think I like... that's, that's a perfect statement I, the one thing that comes to my mind is in terms of function i say well it's just function that's just it's just um uh, gear that that that's just uh, equipment, um, a pedal that the Spanish call it. Okay, look at a Ferrari. Everybody talks about. They thought, what is the artistic? You know, a Bugatti, a Ferrari, a Lamborghini. You know, all these kind of things that people throw out as an artistic uh, uh, version of an automobile, race car, and all this kind of stuff. And I and I and I think, okay, that's function. I mean the. That Ferrari can be as pretty as it wants. It's going a straight line, but it takes that first corner, and and it, and it and it can't hold the corner, and it goes off. You know, well then it's not a very functional race car. Uh, and I remember at, at a point when Dale Harwood brought a, a saddle tree, 
to the exhibition. He said, I just want to, I just want to exhibit, exhibit this saddle tree. And I sat and looked at that thing and I was in absolute awe of the sculptural qualities mm. of that saddle tree. And I think everybody that came to the exhibition was as well. And people didn't realize there is not a straight angle in, in, in that piece mm -hmm. or most saddle trees at all. Every angle is important for, for the function of, of that tree on the horse's back, on that tree as the base, uh, as the foundation for that saddle. But mm -hmm. just to look at that saddle tree uh, sitting there in the exhibition with a light on it, that's the first thing that, that came to mind. It was it's, it's a daggum Ferrari sitting there. It, it was a it was a tour de force of, of heritage, function, of art, artistic quality, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it made me understand much more. Just focusing on that, uh, Dale did on that mm -hmm. saddle tree. Uh, what all goes into the foundation of it uh, and, and how it creates that beautiful, you know, it, if that, like you said, uh, Carrie and everything, if, if that doesn't work, then, then the, the piece, We're that's done. the fourth part, you know, it, 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 it doesn't come, doesn't come together. I would say that the, the challenge is the balance of all that right is is taking the functional and the representational part of the story that we talk about Carrie is is uh, that that's the hard part is is getting it all put together and we all tend to focus and and uh have our specialties but but to take uh the whole enchilada and put it in a pan and make it make it sound good is 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 a tough chore and mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. you know the the artists do a great job of telling the story and representing our history and and we craftsmen uh, that start out with function become very mechanical and very hard hard lines and and so that's uh, that can be very dry it can be very uh, um, boring so there's not a lot of story to that and so then learning how to to be more representational in your work and tell that story of the West. And we, like Carrie says, we are the West. The West was found by the things that we have. Um, they used our items to, to explore the West, but um, we could tell that, we could do a better job of telling that story in our own work, you know, and, and that's a, that's been a hard one for me to get off into, uh, you know, I, figures and things like that it's like that's my dad's world that was a representational thing and that's a, scared me it's a whole new world to jump off into and a whole new level of of complication that like no 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 i'm not gonna go there well as i go in my career i'm leaning that way i'm not i'm not i'm not my ankles are deep i'm ankle deep right now i'm not all the way into it but, but um storytelling that's what it's all about well talking about storytelling Don, you've you were uh, all kidding aside. What were you? How many years were you at the museum? Thirty-eight, nineteen seventy-nine 30. to uh, two thousand and eighteen. Cool. So in that time, twenty eighteen, you know, you there were a lot of very very interesting people across the threshold entering the museum. Uh, yet every year you had Western Heritage, you had Frida West, you had the Nawa show, right? The the now defunct artist association and and stuff. So 
uh, was just thinking earlier this morning, uh, a recorded, I saw a recorded interview, uh, video interview with Tom Selleck. It was, would have been one time that, uh, he showed up at Western heritage and I think he had donated some of his Quigley down under memorabilia for, for the museum. So tell us a, a few of the stories of, of that, Don. Well, well, that was a highly paid, you know, I got a lot of money for doing that interview with Tom Selleck. I <laughs> I'll bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> other, other jobs as the sign, you know, um, but uh, it, it was, that was fun. It was, it was, he was quite the gentleman. If, if you uh, saw that or anybody that sees that, it's still available on YouTube to just put in Tom Selleck interview museum, uh, 18 minutes long, but he was, he sat there, was patient, a very gentleman and, and uh, was very, uh, generous with his time, but also generous with his, his stories about what the objects meant to him. See, that's that's close to my heart because that's that's been my life is to take a pair of spurs, to take a hat, to take a saddle, and and you and and then what is the story that this tells us? What what did this represent? And and he went through that. Talked about the horse he brought back uh, from uh, uh, Australia after Quigley Down Under. The, and then he used that horse for several years. Uh, but things that were really meant a lot to him. And and, and the one thing that's neat about Tom Selleck, I think a lot of people don't realize, there was not a braggadocio role in that in that whole interview. Hmm. He, he did not beat his chest. He did not say talk about how how he was uh, you know separate from other actors or, or a, a new face on the block that's that's better. Uh, he, he was just being Tom, and and it was really uh, a highlight for me. And one of those uh, great moments to be able to sit there in in a gallery that uh, at, at that point, uh, unabashedly, a gallery that that I was assigned that, that I created and it came to pass. And now here's Tom Selleck sitting in front of the case that, that I put up, you know, to represent his career. And he was happy about it. He was, he, he, he uh, you know, it uh, passed muster. He liked it. And uh and he was telling stories about it. He was enjoying reliving some of those mm -hmm. moments that those items and posters and everything represented. It was, it was a golden moment for, uh, for me. It really was. You met a lot of folks with the, the Western Heritage Awards too, I'm sure. And that, I mean, that was a, an annual gathering of celebrities in a way. <laughs> yeah. The parade of people, uh, it, it's just outstanding to try to think, think back at, but one of the, favorite things that I, that I have. I remember uh, the year that, that, that both uh, Slim Pickens and Ben Johnson were uh, recognized. And, and and they Ben Johnson had a bit of an angst about it because usually it's one person at a time, but they decided to bring them together. Not that they were ever really partners in, in any anything or whatever, but, but uh, they did a portrait with uh, Slim, uh, uh, it's in the gallery uh, uh, of the two of them, Slim driving the stagecoach and, and Ben being shotgun, it, whatever. But the night uh, that they got recognized, I gave them and their families a, a tour of the museum. And uh, so we're over there and and we're trying to tour them around. And, and Ben Johnson being, you know, the big gentlemanly cowboy that he was, uh, honest as can be in terms of just this is who I am. And Slim Pickens being Slim Pickens, oh my God, you know, <laughs> larger than life, you know, riding that missile down, you know, out of that plane, you know, whipping and spurring, 
that was he he was slim picking. You couldn't walk. You'd start to go one place. You'd walk about ten feet, and and he'd break into another story about Lord knows what. <laughs> you know, and and have everybody cracked up, and and you know whatever. And and about the third time he did that, uh, Ben Johnson. I remember Ben Johnson just his eyes just rolled up, and they said, "Oh my God!" You know. <laughs> <laughs> my mom and dad it was, got stuck. My mom and dad got stuck in an elevator with Slim Pickens one time in El Paso. There was too many people in the elevator, and they couldn't. It wouldn't go up high enough to connect to the next floor, and they were stuck. They, they had pretty good. <laughs> he was larger than life in that I, situation. Too. I can only imagine. <laughs> I can only imagine. He, he was so. It was. I, I, I saw the best and worst of, of a lot of people, and, and that wasn't the worst of Ben uh, Slim Pickens. He, he he was just being Slim Pickens, as we all can remember. And, and Ben Johnson, he he was at the museum uh, because he lived there uh, uh, a lot of the time between. Arizona in Oklahoma he, he was at the museum a lot so we we'd known him pretty well he was he was just the the, the quiet you know consummate you know horseman and uh, it was just fun to see the interchange between the two but uh then then uh that was the hard thing but not too long after uh he he was inducted and, and honored or whatever he passed away and so the we we uh, let him know we, we really wanted to, to uh, put some material on exhibit to reflect him. And so we got a saddle on the back of the, of the saddle candle. Carry, did you, did you ever see that on the back, on the, on the candle, on the big Cheyenne roll of, of, of his saddle? It had a, a two uh, and, a, and a, no, a two and a lazy two and then the letter P. And he was very proud of, of that brand, which, which he would read as too lazy to pee. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that big old letters you know about about eight inches or more across the back of his his candle you know and and uh and slim pickens and and then there actually was a historic saddle uh ranch that, that used that uh but at the same time he sent us that saddle uh he sent us one spur and i remember opening the box and uh pulling out this spur that had a note wrapped around it. he was he which he wrote from his hospital bed and the letter says if if i here's this uh here's one spur from this pair of spurs that i used most of the time and if i ever find this blankety 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 spur the other spur <laughs> i'll send it as well <laughs> and i just bust out i mean you know it was there it was it's just an old spur and but it was so much with the note it was so much slim pickings with all the you know uh, expletives it just oh it was, it was it was another magical moment for slim you know uh but there's uh yeah lot, lots of amazing people you should uh y'all would have loved if you could have been mouse there the day that uh you know some of the, the artists came in uh Neroy lehman came in uh one time with the the, the boss had got this brilliant idea he was gonna uh commission him to do a a work of art uh, portrait you know and i, I love leroy neiman's uh all the action and color and everything and his mm -hmm. boxing and, and other things that he would do um so he comes in but uh and he was got presented at the stage and all these kind of things he comes in in all the splendor with with a uh las vegas bimbo uh on on each arm you know <laughs> that, as he stepped out of the limousine and we're all going oh my god God, what have we done? You know, and <laughs> it's and so there's been these times when we've stepped in and out of the Western world uh, that has been 
quite amusing. I can imagine. Uh, were, were you there when uh when the addition of um into the trail was put in? Because you explained how out some of that stuff was put in. Were you there at the museum when all that was happening, Don, or, or did that happen before you got there? When the end of the trail was that the end of the trail first was acquired by the museum was in 1976. So that was three years before I came. Three years before you came. But I definitely heard about all that. I wrote material about how that all happened. Um, and then later on, when we opened the new wing that you were part of the, the, the part of that opening was we moved the end of the trail, put it in a, uh, with a, the, uh, underneath the, the direction of a uh, art, conservator, we put the end of the trail in a very large steel uh, frame, cage, if you would, mm -hmm. and then hooked the, the crane to the top of that and then swung that 18-foot <laughs> sculpture plaster held together barely through the years, over 100 years old, over the top of part of the museum and down and, and, and placed it uh, right in front of where it is, sits now uh, near the entrance of the museum. Uh, and as that was happening and as it got placed down and then the cage was picked up and was teeter-tottering on, on the, one of the biggest uh, um, forklifts that I'd ever seen in my life, Byron Price was standing nearby, Bobby Weaver and, and I, Weaver and I had our hard hats on and we're trying to make sure that, that uh, a disaster didn't occur. And then it had the forklift had to lift it up, put it on top of this cement plinth pedestal and uh, Byron Price, who's the director at that time, turned to uh, Bobby and I and said, I'm going to my office. Call me in an hour and let me know if I still have a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I mean, what? He a, was what, scared to death that that thing was going to fall over and, and, and that was going to be it. Uh, for sure. I mean, what an impressive introduction to the museum for those that have never been in the museum. You just walk in the door, boom, there it is. It's blasting yeah. in the face, you know. And, uh, it's quite a it's quite a deal. That's it's very impressive. Also, most of the people that walk in as visitors, um, even those that are uh, familiar with the West, from live in the West, don't realize that uh, James Earl Fraser, who did the Buffalo Nickel and many other statues, uh, sculptures in, in uh, Washington D.C. and other, um, he did that as a very sympathetic representation because his father was a railroad engineer and he lived there on the Rosebud Reservations for many years with an, and a lot of his his boyhood friends were were Lakota uh, mm. or Dakota. I'm not quite sure which they were, but uh, he was very empathetic. That was his empathetic portrayal of their ancestors being driven to the edge of the Pacific Ocean. And that uh, his ho hope always was that that sculpture would be would have a uh, set on a, a prominent spot overlooking the Pacific Ocean, you know, to where in, in mm. his my eyes, that 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 those people were driven to the uh, to the edge of the Pacific Ocean. That was what he was portraying with that. And of course, it was introduced to the public at the San Francisco uh, uh, Pan Pan American Exhibition in uh, 1915. So that's I didn't real, realize it was that old. And, yeah, uh, 1915. To study up. Of course, he and, did and, uh, Lincoln Lincoln uh, down at the end of the hall with Lincoln too. So that would have been done about the same era. That was actually, he was commissioned to do that work, uh, which was there, then turned into um, 
with stonemasons, turned into a sculpt, stone sculptor, uh, I believe. I might have that wrong. I've, I've never seen it in person. Anyway, in, in New Jersey, at the, the uh, beginning of the Lincoln Highway, which went from there, it became Highway 12, and then went west. And mm. it was the precursor to the Route 66 that then went all the way across uh, mm. as, a, as an automobile. You know, you had your Transcontinental Railroad, then you had Highway 12 and, you had, and Route 66. And those were the ones that, that, that attempted to go all the way across, all before interstate highway system that, that uh, came about after uh, World War II. But uh, yeah, in the, in the teens, that's when, when he did that and, and to uh, start and, and, and to, uh, you know, because it was named the, the Lincoln Highway, uh, he presented that portrayal. Then you've got the Canyon Princess. That was that was much later, right? Well, that well, Gerald Balsiar, that was a gift hmm. from that uh, sculptor. He's an amazing, amazing person. Um, in in marble uh, that he he created, and he wanted to do something. When he heard about uh, him, the curator Ed, you know talked about the new art wing that was going to be, and there was going to be a, a spot, a little rotunda type of place where there's going to be a major piece of sculpture that was going to then, um, you know, you people, you'll go to that and then look down and you have the, the, the major wing of art and history. And, and he said, well, I'll, I'll do a work. They'll, they'll go there and it'll be my gift to the museum. And he did. He created wow. that and, and gave it uh, in total to, to the museum. Uh, and the other thing that was, People don't know, and I've told very few people this. Uh, my wife still laughs about it, but uh, when it showed up on laying on its back on a, on a sculpt, uh, semi bed, it had to be brought into the museum, and, and again through a crane, uh, and, and uh, was brought down through a hole in the, the, the brand new ceiling, and, and lifted up and set on that uh, uh, pedestal, that plinth of, of cement. And then what he did is he left parts of it, the tail and, and part of the head, supported with uh, more marble so that they would not, were they more stronger supported uh, for the trip. And then he, he took that material away from the sculpture, uh, huh. finished the neck and, and shoulder and finished the, the tail portions uh, there in place. And his son who was, was supposed to come with him uh, didn't, couldn't make the trip. For health reasons, and so uh, he looked at me <laughs> with his big, big eyes, and uh, he's the, the gentlest person in the world. And so I helped him for—I can't remember—it was four or five days uh, finishing out that that sculpture and hand sanding uh, the the finish on on that uh, and polishing it uh, with uh, all these levels of of uh, polishing compound and and uh, sandpaper and everything to get that glossy uh, finish on it. And and we he worked my tail off the long days, and then we'd go have a break, and we'd go next door. There's a barbecue place over there, y'all right might remember. Mm -hmm. Eat like two pounds of barbecue, and then come back <laughs> and do it again for another six hours or so. And and and, uh, and so it was it was another one of those wonderful events in my life that means a great deal to me. In fact, right near me, my my wife. Uh, was was kind enough when when it became available that there was a bronze, uh, which is about uh, I don't know instead of the eighteen feet or whatever I think that's sixteen feet that the the, the uh, Canyon Princess the bronze is about twelve, but we got 
we got one, she got one, and it's here in, in the study. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful reminder of that time with, with Gerald Balstiar, who's one of the, the sweetest spirits that uh, I've ever dealt with uh, like that. And to be hand-in-hand uh, -hand with uh, uh, an artist like that, finishing a work, as important as that, that's really, really special. That's a heavy, heavy uh, piece of work, too, isn't it? I mean, that, <laughs> plaster's one thing. 65,000 pounds heavy, yeah. Yeah. Is that what it weighs? That's, that's the piece of marble it started out with, and I think he got it down to 20,000 pounds. But, yeah, it was, uh, uh, and it, all it took, you know, and he looks for, he started, he had, I think, I know there were two. He might have had three blocks cut, to which he then had to examine looking for, uh natural fissures in the stone, uh, false in the rock, because if the wrong thing happened or while he's whaling on the thing, it cracks in half. It's you're done. Stone. You, you know, like start over. You hope your toes not under it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, huh. That's interesting. Interesting stories. Well, most of them true. Most of them. Oh. <laughs> Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story, right? I mean, <laughs> I, that may, uh, that's my father's philosophy. I was just going to say, I, boy, is that, <laughs> if that's not pop talking right there, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's pop story. He doesn't like to tell a story with me or my mom around because we give him the eye like that's not the truth and he's like you're messing up my story, <laughs> <laughs> story. that's my, my story yeah. yeah you not tell your story. story that's right <laughs> you've had some wonderful i shouldn't say wonderful i'll let you describe them you've had certainly had some experiences with pop walking around looking at art over the oh years my god as him. i bring um, him to the bring him to the show well then the this was it the, well i think it was the second time we were up at the wagon hound pretty sure yeah. it was Oh yeah, he's cooking. And uh, <laughs> your father Mike, <laughs> yeah, came to the to the show as, and he volunteered. Or you volunteered. I can't remember which it was to uh, to cook in the the wonderful kitchen there at the lodge where the meeting was held. Mm -hmm. And so he grabs me and, and he says, "Come on, I need a." Uh, I forgot what he called him. He just didn't say soup chef, but he needed a, an assistant, you know, to to help, you know, peel potato the potatoes and stuff like that. I said, "Well, hell yeah." I love uh, love that and in chuck uh, cast iron cooking and all that. I, uh, anytime I've had an opportunity to do that, I got about six of them in the basement. And uh, so uh, I, 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 and it got me out of listening to some of your arguments in the other room. But <laughs> uh, I, I went back and one of the joys of, of again, just like being with uh, just as much as being with uh, Gerald Balser is is cooking at that big grill your dad had that's a big not a huge kitchen but the, the, the equipment that our had back here in that kitchen in the lodge was incredible had these huge indoor indoor uh, grills and we opened the door at the side or whatever and and we were uh, you know tomatoes tomatillas and, you know all peppers throw them on the grill throw them on the grill you know and it we, there was there was flames coming from every different direction you know and <laughs> uh and it was it was really fun to to uh, work with him and and be with him when he was uh, cooking that up. And man, it was that was as as they would say that was, those were good groceries. That that was we ate we ate great that that weekend. And I, 
Now, I remember you, you say, well, I got I got them all charred up by the, the tomatoes and all that kind of stuff. Some of you. I said, now, what am I supposed to do with them before I put them in the, in the, oh, Wilson, I've, I've lost it. The, the, the stone. Mojete. Yeah, mojete. Mojete. Anyway, he said, oh, just throw them in there. Just throw, see, I said, seeds? Seeds, skin, just throw them in there, you know? Yeah. So I'm mashing all this up together. And it was tasty. It was hotter than hell, but it was tasty, you know? <laughs> and, and, and we put that on there, and it was, uh, well, like I said, we, we ate good that weekend, and it was just, it, it really was, it was like, it, for a kitchen situation, it was almost like me being in the log cabin uh, with Charlie Russell up, on, up in Montana. It was, <laughs> it was good. It was a little nice. Great memories. That, that was a little nice kitchen for Pop to be cooking in. That it, that was not his comfort zone, but that's all right. Comfort zone? He was about three feet off the air, uh, off the ground. He was so proud to be back here in that kitchen. He was, he was you know, Leonard, you know, uh, and he, he was orchestra. You know, he, he was, he was, you know, he was, he, he was having a ball back here in that, that amazing kitchen. Yeah. He, he, he does like, he, he is a performer. That's for sure. <laughs> he likes yeah. We need to have him back on here. He, we need to tease him for a few more stories. It, yeah, it, it's not hard. Oh, I'm sure it wouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> not hard. If you gave him five minutes to prepare, he'd be ready. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of like Jay said, if we can do it in the evenings with a Jay Adcock commented one time, he said, well, if we do this in the evenings instead of the mornings, and do it with a toddy, we could have a really good podcast. Oh boy, <laughs> stand back. <laughs> Lubrication when you're old is always important, you know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I, I don't, don't, we're, we're, we're about an hour into it, Schwartzy. Do we, uh, do we keep rolling? I mean, Don's, you got more, more. What? What's neat is that since you've only got a half hour program, you know, you get a lot of this you can cut out of <laughs> Don't you know who's the two ramrods behind this and the main ramrod Carrie and he's like, we're just going to push start and stop and rec and it's all going. So if you say something bad that you didn't want in there, sorry, it's going right. Shorty. We, we haven't edited a single minute and this is, we're coming up on 50. You're getting 50? episodes. Yeah, that's great. I didn't realize that. I know you've been done. I've, I've seen some of them. That's that's marvelous. That takes a lot of work, guys. Well, once yeah, a week. it's getting easier. And I know <laughs> I had a friend call and and uh, here it's been a month or two ago, and he says, "Oh, I figured you were probably on your podcast." And I thought, <laughs> "What does he think? I'm on a podcast all the time?" And, <laughs> Another friend says, oh, that must be a full-time job. No, hell no, it's not a full-time. <laughs> if it's a full-time job, I'm done, man. I'm, I'm, this not, is, I'm toast. We're going to uh, have to renegotiate our, our schedule of payment. That's for sure. It's just going to be a full-time right. job. No, you know, well, it, it's kind of fun, Don. I mean, Gary said, let's do a podcast, you know, Two minutes before that, I'd have said, hell no. Like, what the heck are you thinking? There's no way to make any money at that. And what are we doing? And the first thing that popped in my mind was, you know, Workshop Wednesday was pretty good. Maybe I ought to get out there and show who I am and let people know. Sure, Carrie, let's do it. And what it, I thought, well, all right. And it's been fun. I really have enjoyed the conversations. And, you know, it's, we don't have Some anybody Some of the most worthwhile things in life are those that we do because you're passionate about it. 
And because, uh, you know, a friendship with somebody else, like you don't care. But, uh, you know, if, you, if your only motivation is to do something because of the payoff uh, financially, that's a sad life, you know. And, yeah. and if anybody that's honest about it looks back at those are not the times that they've enjoyed the most. Well, you, yeah. you know that about me and Carrie. Money wasn't our first uh, first thought on anything we've done because we've never done anything. And then you can prove it, right? <laughs> yeah. but, but I'll tell you too, Don, the, and this is part of mine and Carrie's uh, commonality and friendship is, is we absolutely have a passion that we're going to go do, but now then we try to monetize the situation to the best of our ability as well to provide for the family and and the industry and whatever we feel a responsibility towards that i'm speaking for you carrie but i i that's how i feel you know it's like oh, yeah. I, I do my passion but then on the other side i'm not going to ignore the financial responsibility that i have towards my industry and everything else uh, in there too i i could be the best bit and sperm maker in the world but if i don't teach anybody how to make a living doing it i've not fulfilled my obligation to preserve and promote that discipline people go to work it we'll just create a bunch of part-timers and uh, that's not fully fully upholding my end of the deal so do my best well that's that's behind the preserve and promote is, is. Uh, economic stability we need economic uh, stability in these trades so that uh, people can see their way clear to pay a mortgage with this hopefully so well that you guys are not it's uncomfortable for y'all to to, to bang the gong and, and you know and, and sing your own uh praises but you both realize that you you have been part of and and greatly responsible for what other people have, have called a cowboy renaissance in in the field in which you work and in fact that's the term that that you all agreed to put on the uh, beautiful and let's you have a commercial here for the the publication that came out uh after 20 years of the group uh, cowboy renaissance and and by God, it's an absolute truth that what it wouldn't have happened without you all being um, there to establish and show and other makers and whatever. This is the direction. This is how you can do it. And and letting other people uh, learn, uh, bring them in to you your world where the marriage of those two things has brought about actually has brought about a renaissance within your trades uh, and that. The, all the accolades go to y'all. I use a term uh, that that is uh, not well thought of by some of our members, but we are in in a real sense a volunteer service organization. And uh, boy, going back 25, 26 years, holy cow! And if I'd have been paid for every every hour that I spent on this, and then you accumulate that over. Every member, every single member's had to donate untold number of hours uh, in education and planning, and it's just just been endless. So, well, but it's been a very rewarding ride, and by golly, we sure appreciate you for having been on board for all those years, Don. Yeah, it wouldn't have happened without you. Well, it's it's close to my heart. It's been thrilled my life, but. Uh... Uh, with, with, and my bride has been my my wingman in terms of uh, seeing that everything gets done and we're all there and and it's uh, you laugh it's, I'm, I'm an honorary member but you're her boys 
Well, well you're gonna I'm have older to give, than her, but she's taking you all the raise. So give uh, her a big hug for us here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's you know the the voluntary hour, the voluntary hours. You did it too, Don. You know, I mean, you you were on salary. I I oppose I suppose, and so you you spent a lot of extra time being with us and and mm -hmm. believing in something that is very important to all of us. And both Carrie and I have uh, capitalized on all our voluntary hours, I promise. And that that's, uh, it's hard for people to see the hours that we spend doing what we do uh, for the organization and for the industry. But um, it's also, it's also uh, maybe not always seen how we've gained from it. Maybe it is easy to see because it, it probably is easy to see because I went from a 30-year-old snot-nosed team roper in Midland that was halfway decent at building business spurs to respected as one of the, the better bit and spur makers in North America um, immediately when I became a part of this group. So, and then we can go on and on and on from there as to what the group has done for me as an individual. And, and they can go a hundred different directions, but that was the immediate, immediate cap, the gain right there, not capital, but the immediate gain is respect and and recognition for for my abilities just by becoming a member of the group and so mm -hmm. you know it's worth every daggum by working your tail off to be be uh to produce work uh, of a quality that, that, that well uh, recognize your membership we don't we don't want to talk about that don because uh we we do need new membership and we don't want to scare those guys <laughs> off too bad that they want to be a member <laughs> I, I i've had some really fun conversations with uh uh, Mark Dahl and Ernie and, and you and, and others. And um, in terms of, yeah, I, I came into my first year and I thought, oh, oh, oh. And, and then I was like, oh my God, I, you know, how am I going to step up for that next year? And, yeah. and, and then you look back at your, at the, the work, you know, uh, five years after their, after introduction to the, the organization and, and the, uh, the trajectory uh, yeah. of the, the, the change in, in the work. Uh, it's not you can't just put a positive on it, but but you can just see where the creativity has just just got launched at a at a accelerated level after membership. Uh, look at look at the the trajectory of the industry behind the TCA and what's happened. Mm -hmm. Same mean, thing. It, it's it's equal, right? As as the members have grown up, so has the industry behind us. And you know the comment comes up, well, golly, how come it's so hard to get into the group? And, and uh, I'll repeat something I say a lot, but it's it's about the group as a separation from the rest of the industry. So to, to for me, as my vote and the way I look at it is you have to separate yourself from the rest of the industry. You don't, we don't have to be John Ennis, right? I mean, that's a ridiculous thing to try to accomplish, but but we, the, the individual does need to be separate from the industry. And, this, and the industry has increased so much in ability and, uh, creativity in the last 25 years that it is di difficult but you still got to beat everybody else just like we did 25 years ago right you still have mm -hmm. to have that separation from the rest of the industry and that's not easy it's well not easy. but also aside from the hard work there's a selfless about it but it, it started at the beginning carrie I, I still get uh had correspond with mike beaver and uh and, and i love love him and and but in part of that discussion was being open with other makers in terms of um, the education part, you know, how you came along, Wilson, and what, and and I know that there, I was in a, I was in a, a room listening to one of the prospective members who said, 
I mean, we're going to spend all this time each year and some and, and time in our own studios telling other people um, uh, how what we took us years to learn and 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 things like that. And we're going to do that for free. No, I don't think I can do that. You know, that's you know, why would why would I why would I do that? Is basically his way to to give away that knowledge to give away this essentially what was and I heard Don King talk about uh, the old soundmakers talking about the secrets of the trade and, and stuff like that and he looked at us a lot of the, or Ortega told me directly you know I I didn't want to you know that that's one of the things I you know the old the hails the the old people they wouldn't you know give that it was monetized that was that was something that meant a great deal of them uh, monetarily and they wouldn't just give it to you you had to pay for it uh that knowledge and so the fact that you all have wholeheartedly uh you, you know uh, allowed yourselves to uh teach all these uh folks uh, men and women you know uh, about the trades and, and the how-tos and bring them into your studios in a way that almost was not done before uh, it, it has been a remarkable part. That's been the, one of the real engines in making the transition. It's also been one of the engines of making us all better too. The, the teachers learn as much as the students are often. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. It's made us all better. If you want to learn something, teach it. Exactly. That's exactly right. True story. Well, you probably have important things to do, like grandkids and fun stuff in your retirement, right, Don? You're, you're ready to get on your day, and they're on the on the East Coast, and uh, that's I got to make a living too. So, yeah, let's get out of here. There are three different fun. time zones going on here. You guys got me up too early today. <laughs> well, they still got a little bit of toothpaste toothpaste on the edge of your mouth there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's been fantastic, Don. We sure appreciate you coming on and and uh, revisiting some of these fun things. And and uh, we look forward to being there this fall with you uh, celebrating. You coming to our spring meeting? This one, I'm double booked for the spring meeting. I apologize. Uh, well, well, I've, I've enjoyed let you go this time. The, the whale of it, but the uh, just can't get myself all the way up to Canada uh, for this one, Val, which disappointed Val. Val loved, she she like on any, any Thursday she'll drop drop anything and go to go to Canada and go to Banff. That's one of her favorite places in the world. But we just can't make this one this year. Yeah, well, that's okay. You're forgiven. You can't get out. I'm sorry. You still have to. You're not getting kicked out. Yeah. You're still part of this. Yeah. <laughs> no, that that's not going to change. No, that's no. that's not going to. Well, it's all good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks all for right. everybody. It's been fun. All right. Take care, Don. All right.